0: One, it's your host, Solo Rec Room. Welcome back to Rec Room Radio Season 3. With myself, we have my co-host, Hazy Dialex, and along with us are two guests, Omar and Dale. They will be discussing the events of online forgery, and for a particular individual named Ben, who was later confirmed to be Darko. So, introductions across the board. Hazy, do one want to start us off?
1: Hello, everyone. It's Hazy Dialex, the co-host of Rec Room Radio, and I appreciate you stopping by here to listen to another episode. On season three, we brought two exceptional journalists who have done an extensive amount of work about the topic at hand, and they'll be speaking about their work they've done to document the particular individual in question, and they will be introducing themselves now. We have our journalists.
2: Yeah. Um. Hi, my name's Dale Carruthers. I am an investigative journalist for the London Free Press. That's in London, Ontario. It's part of the Post Media newspaper chain, and I have... Been reporting on Darko Jovanovic since 2017, so about seven years.
0: Thank you for being on our show again. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you here with us today. Yeah, it's good to be on here. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. And finally, we're going to go to um, a friend and our guest, Omar. Omar, do you care to give us an introduction? Sure. yeah, Yeah. So this is Omar. I am a
3: space host. I have hosted more than 2000, hosted and hosted more than 2000 hours worth of uh, spacing over the last year covered extensively the ukraine war and uh, recently the uh, war in gaza and i used to be a close friend with ben for a long time perhaps perhaps one of the earliest friends he had on twitter
0: myself included was one of those friends as well but we'll get into that later of how the split off happened but I want to start off with um, Dale. Dale, who is this figure that was going by the pseudonym of Ben and now we know is Darko? Could you give us a brief summary on him that we can expand upon?
2: Sure. Uh, Darko Jovanovich, 41 now. He has connections to southwestern Ontario. A little in the 2010s, a little after that, he turned up in the Windsor court system where he was charged with various frauds related to impersonating a doctor. Um, There's some stories written about him then at that time. He received some jail time, a few months jail. And then he surfaced again in London, Ontario, as part of a case of a London police officer who was charged with breach of trust. And it turned out that Darko had conned him, too, posing as a former Mossad agent, high profile lawyer, really complicated, long that he pulled off on this cop and that's how he ended up on my radar and then he went dark for several years and then he obviously surfaced on spaces and then that came to my attention on boxing day when he was outed by liberty sean that's why i'm here today
0: thank you again for that um and for mr pickle do you want to add on to anything with that as well for darko
3: uh, yeah, I think um, Dale probably was on his... You know, he was on Ra- Dale's radar before. Um, that being said, uh, it was a close circle. He was part of it, uh, also Sola. And he uh, was particularly came on scene um, on Twitter suddenly, in, you know, in the middle of the Ukraine war uh, in a very unnatural fashion um, that looked suspicious to many, but nobody could put their finger on what was wrong. Uh, but everybody... Was asking questions uh, until, you know, uh, until uh, he was exposed after Mario's space.
0: I was going to bring that up next. For people who don't know, Mario is an individual on Twitter who would arguably run some of the biggest spaces on the platform. He's had Elon Musk on it. And almost like a story of Icarus flying too close to the sun, you had the Ben figure, Darko, getting close ties and connections with Mario, who you could arguably is a powerful person in his connections. And was able to be not only a co-host, but a co-host when Elon Musk, Alex Jones, a lot of other individuals on. And at the time, Vivek as well, who was running for president. But
1: Which is quite interesting, actually. I think in terms of criminality, some people, in terms of what you were talking about, of Icarus flying too close to the sun. Similarly, there is really no famous criminals. Um, Most of them are in jail. Something akin to American Gangster, in which he sits in the front row seats of one of the biggest fights in history between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. People are going to start asking questions about who you are. And once you bring that line light to you, it's only inevitably that people start to pull back the paint to see what is actually behind all of it. So I'm glad to have you all here to explain that.
0: Thank you, Hazy. And I was going to ask Dale to expand on that more. Do you think Dale, that he was always going to be caught eventually Like, was this a pattern as before where he gets too big in the spotlight? And have you ever seen anything like this in your work as an investigator?
2: Yeah, um, I knew um, from when I first met Darker that he was unique. He he was uh, extremely intelligent, spoke multiple languages, um, claimed to have multiple PhDs. I don't believe that to be true now, but at the time it was believable based on the way he presented himself. And he was able to pull off this elaborate con, victimizing this London police officer. I sat through the trial. I heard all the details. So I knew he was a very sophisticated operator. Um, And I always wanted to do a big takeout on him from when we first met him to where he ended up. And I I knew a new news hook would come along. I knew he'd come up again after he went dark. Um, He went to jail for like 60 days, got convicted of a bunch of petty offenses in, when was that? That was in 2020. He was sentenced to like 60 days in jail. And I went and saw him in the prisoner's box and saw him taken away. It was the last time I saw him. And I just had a feeling he would come back. And I knew it would be in some sort of newsworthy way. I obviously couldn't have predicted that it would be because he was co-hosting a space with Elon Musk and Andrew Tate and Alex Jones. But um, it's strangely believable in a weird way based on my interactions with him. And uh, the internet and X spaces really is perfectly suited for him because that's what he does. He, he talks to people and he's a lot more convincing online or over the phone, via text rather than in person. That's like his style. That's what he does because that's what he's always done. He's impersonating people, though he can be really convincing in person. Um, but I, I think this was just this was a perfect opportunity for him to be whoever he wanted to be. And yeah, that's why we're all here. So not completely surprising, but the scope of it is kind of surprising, just because like you said, it was the largest X-spaces
3: event ever. If I may expand on that, so uh, when COVID hit, uh, right, Like, and people were at home, so it was much uh, um, more hard for him to con in the real world, so... Uh, it was a way for him to, to still interact with people. He also is a very social person. He did appear, you know, in the late phases of COVID, not early, uh, but that was one of the theories of why he started to shift, you know, into the digital world. Where, as as he said, you know, uh, if you spoke to him sola, uh when uh, his voice doesn't match with his face, that's something maybe Dan would we'll expand on. But it is much easier to trust him uh, with the way he talks because he really has. A charm, you know, uh, w- when he's talking, that you will not get if you see him. He also doesn't. He looks Serbian, uh, uh, you know, to, to people who know who Ser- you know, how Serbian people look like. So it's it's hard to you know make all kinds of origin stories if people can see you. So I agree with. I just wanted to point that out.
0: Thanks. To expand onto that as well, it was brought up earlier that he was impersonating. That he had IDF service and he was Mossad. Would either of you guys know? Is there any confirmation in his ethnic origin? Because I've heard that he's Serbian. I've heard that he's Romanian. I've heard that he's actually an Israeli, just not as like what he's saying. Do we have any confirm, like concrete information on his?
3: Okay, the information I have is that uh, he is not Israeli, and also one second.
0: My apologies. No, it's okay, so we know he's not israeli um yeah, so and, yeah know, the, what, what i
3: what I know is that he's uh he's not Israeli and uh he is not related to any intelligence service there that uh that being said uh the people we asked in the i d f said that it's illegal to ask, so you cannot go to the i d f and ask them do you have someone who served here Because uh, it's against their national um uh you know it's a national security um violation if if they tell you. That being said, um, the ambassador to Romania, uh, the Israeli ambassador, the ex-Israeli ambassador to Romania, confirmed that he was not a uh, part of the Serbian Jewish community. So he, for sure, was not born a Jew. He might have converted later or grew up about, you know, around someone who was Jewish. Uh, but according to the Serbian community there, uh, they didn't just say we don't know him. They said he is not. Um, part of the community thanks
0: okay uh dale would you want to expand on anything that was brought up so far yeah
2: i guess i've spoken the furthest back i found someone who knew him when he was a teenager in high school and she believed him to be jewish at the time he lived with his mother and his grandmother who she said were both practicing jews and uh, judaism was a big part of his identity at that point as a teenager and Um, that's as far back as I can trace it. So, I mean, I can't confirm for sure that he is in fact Jewish, but he was portraying himself to be Jewish as with his, was his mother and grandmother back in the nineties. So it's, it's a good indicator that he probably is Jewish is what I would say at this point.
0: And do we have a record? I know you said earlier that he conned a police officer, but do we have any record of him doing anything like that earlier in his life? Like, was but there a sign? That, that
3: the Holocaust survival story, Dan, I believe you covered that, that he was claiming his, his grandma is a Holocaust survivor, although she was born after the war. Is, is there any, any, uh, anything more to that story?
2: Yeah, it, it was his mother who he said was a Holocaust survivor, and she, she wasn't. She was born after the war. Um, so that, that was kind of part of uh, some of his cons. He had told people that uh, before, including myself when I first met him. But the earliest... He surfaced facing fraud allegations was, I believe, 2013 or 2014 in Windsor. That's when he was pretending to be a doctor, an oncologist, an orthopedic surgeon. And he was uh, eventually convicted for several counts of fraud there and was jailed at that point. So that uh, 10 years ago would be the first allegations of fraud surfacing. And he was saying he was Jewish then, too.
0: And for the audience, Dale, what would you tell people who are novice to being online are warning signs not to trust people? What are some of the red flags, if you will, to tell, like, let's say the middle-aged mom who got Twitter recently and doesn't really fully know how to use the platform?
2: I guess it's kind of a minefield, really, right? Um, If you're new to a platform and you're a middle-aged mom, you're probably not going to be equipped with those Skills to verify people's identity, right? Like that's what I do for a living. Um, I verify things. So I remember verifying Darko's identity was very difficult at first. Um, literally, it was my job and it was still hard to do. So I, I think a lot of people just don't stand a chance. And that's why he thrives so well online. Um, someone told me something interesting about him that he was always, they, they became suspicious of him because he was always asking about their parents. He had an interest in their parents, which is something I've heard from multiple people who've interacted with him. But it's because he will then use that information talking to someone else about that person to portray himself as particularly close to them, right? Because if you know someone's parents, think of your friends whose parents you know. It means you're usually pretty close to their family. So Darko meets someone online, doesn't actually really know them, but he talks to someone else and says, oh, yeah, John Smith, yeah, I know his dad... uh, Jim been known forever. Jim, the old, the retired trucker, right? So it's it's all part of what I described as his information Ponzi scheme. He's using information and building on it to get more information from people, and so that's how he builds rapport. That so he, he's very sophisticated in, in how he does this. Right? He has these little strategies, and that was just one of them. Just show how he does. He'd always ask about people's parents. Anytime I talk to him, he asks about my colleague Randy Richmond who I worked with on our, our original investigation oh how's Randy doing and asked a couple of questions about him right that's that's his way he always asks about mutual people you know he just he has all of these I don't know I, I call them tricks because he's misrepresenting himself normally they just be like character attributes which is not a bad thing you ask about people you ask what people they know but he's kind of using it for his end game of uh, getting information and In so oh yeah i oh, sorry
1: go ahead oh go ahead go ahead I was just going to say that, in essence, he creates a kinship with information that is normally not privy to the public. Thus, when he gets in contact with other people, it's not just the surface level of information that most people are aware of by the time they come into contact with most public figures. It's something so intimate, and usually people aren't accustomed to someone asking about their relatives or their kinfolk so naturally people will give you this information since it sounds extremely considerate it sounds like the person's interested in knowing you as a person How well it, it,
3: it was more of a, he, he's an information trader uh, and he believes in reciprocation so he would for example call you right and have his camera on and he would expect you to turn the camera on you know in return right he didn't he wouldn't ask you first can I turn my camera on, right? Uh he would he would tell you, "Oh, you know what? I know this about that person." And usually what people would do is they would reciprocate and tell him, you know, some information that they believe is also valuable so that they can get more valuable information from him. And he would go around and and um through like an you know, thousands of hours that he dedicated to his whatever he was doing. Uh of collecting information from here, going to that person saying, this person is telling you, saying this about you, and I know this about that person. And in many cases, uh, he would feel, so he would uh, think of a possible scenario, um, and he would uh, communicate that to you. And so, for example, let's say he suspects someone of working for, you know, the British government, right? Now, he's not sure, right? But he would say, you know what, people who speak the language you talk and went to that place, you probably worked at, you know, such and such location, which is like their, their address, you know, the MI6 address or something in, in, in England, right? And then the person would say, no, 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 I actually wasn't. I was, I was actually in the, I was in the Royal Navy. Uh, so he would uh, fill those gaps in his information by making false claims that he knows might or might not be true But when you correct it, you give him the actual correct information. He did that with me personally multiple times, uh, you know, because he would just make random stuff that, you know, you would be like, no, 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 hold on. I'm actually not that, but I'm this, right? And uh, basically, he was an information addict, among other things, and um, he he was trading in it. It was his currency. Money was another thing, but his real currency is, is data and information on people.
1: Yeah, and I think in some cases that might be seen as someone leveraging vulnerability to war somebody into doing something they might have not done otherwise. I wanted to ask you a question that felt pertinent to the ex- exposé that has occurred with this particular individual. Are we in any capacity aware of his where like where he is currently?
2: Um, I would say he's in Canada. I would speculate that He's in the Ottawa region, which is the capital of Canada.
0: Are you familiar at all if the authorities have been brought attention to what he's been doing at all and if he's currently being looked for? Um, I have not
2: heard they are. Police in Canada have a policy of not confirming or denying an active investigation. But I would think there'd be very little chance that he'd be under investigation by police because, I mean, what has he done? What's his most recent thing? He, He lied about who he was on Twitter. I mean there'd be so many people who do that. Obviously impersonating a lawyer is a crime and saying you're work for the DOJ is probably a crime in the U S but in Canada, it just, it wouldn't land on police radar here.
0: So there's not really any main like laws in regards to impersonating for Canada. Cause I've heard him, I'm sure all of us heard him say he's many, he's a man of many different things. He's like, Oh, I'm done this. I've done this. I've done this. Where now we know all of that's been lies. Like, there wouldn't be any legal repercussion for any of those?
2: I mean, it would be illegal to impersonate a lawyer if you were representing yourself as a lawyer or offering legal advice or something like that. But I mean, it'd be like, you meet someone in a bar and say you're a lawyer, that there's going to be no legal repercussions for that. And that's essentially like what he did. He didn't, it wasn't like he was acting as a lawyer without having a license to practice law. He was just talking, saying he was a lawyer.
3: So he's, he's adamant he didn't break any laws. So he studied the low pretty well, and he knows exactly where to stop right before you go, um, you know, into the threshold. That being said, I know at least of one occasion where he did cross. But, you know, that's if you want to spend on it, that's fine. It's not. It's okay.
0: We could rotate back to that later because I'm aware that Dale has to be leaving soon. Dale, um... I 10 minutes,
2: so I can talk for another 10 minutes on anything you guys want.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, Dale, in regards to the questions we're going to ask you now, what is something you sh- feel should be pivotal for the audience to know that we have not asked you yet? What is some information? Where are you at currently if the investigation? Are you having plans for future? Any questions related to that?
2: Yeah, I-, I guess I'll just mention like even how Darko came into my circle is that I um, report on policing issues, police accountability. So it was uh 2017, a London officer, Achille Corrado, was charged with breach of trust, and I reported on it, and I got a call from an unknown number, and it was Darko, of course he didn't identify himself at the time, and he said he had information on the case that I'd be interested in, and so he started, uh, our relationship started, he was portraying himself as a source, I got to know him, Um, he said his name was Aaron Barak at that point, and He essentially misrepresented his role in that case, Um, essentially said he was a go-between working with the London police officer and the criminal underworld, selling information. But um, it all came undone when the case went to court, and it was revealed that he was just conning the police officer. And I, I figured out before then that he was not who he said he was, but that just really clarified it. Um, And that kind of cemented that I really wanted to follow this guy and see what happened to him. As I mentioned before, I caught up with him again um, in 2020 when he was jailed on some minor offenses. And then most recently, I kind of renewed my investigation into him. So myself and my colleague, we are working on a longer form investigation into him, tracing back. As far as we can go, like I said, I found someone who has spoke to me in depth about knowing him very well as a teenager. So that's the furthest back we've been able to find any information. At that point, he was living here in London and seemingly living a pretty typical teenage life. Talented musician, spoke many languages at the time. Um, so maybe I guess he wasn't your average teenager. That's not really what teens do these days. But We're digging deep and taking, going wherever the story takes us. So I'll throw an appeal. If you know Darko, you had an encounter with him, you think there's anything I should know, feel free to reach out to me because we're just going to cast the net really wide. I think there's a great story here. Ultimately, I'm going to reach out to Darko to see if he will talk to me. He may, in the past, he'll always talk, but he doesn't talk on the record. Like even after I did the last story... I had a couple of phone numbers for him and I reached out. I don't know which one reached him because then he called me back on a restricted number and we talked for about 15 minutes. Unfortunately it was all off the record. So I can't really go into it at this stage because that would be putting it on the record. But um, it shows nothing's changed. He likes to control the narrative. He likes to stuff out what information people have, right? Like Omar said, He's addicted to information. So he's trying to suss out, what do I know? What am I doing? Am I writing a story? Am I just thinking about writing a story? If I'm writing a story, when's the story going? What will the story be about? Um, so he, he's nothing's changed with him, even though... He also likes attention, um, right? Like, he yeah. wants him. yeah. So, so, yeah, I'm hoping ultimately he will participate in the uh, investigation I'm doing. Um, to set the record straight, I, I just love to see this guy... Finally, explain why he's doing this. We we never know why he does any any of these things. I mean, obviously in the past, the motivation has been money, but in this current case, I mean, I haven't heard of any fraud allegations uh, beyond misrepresenting himself. So, why did he There's do this? Why two he-
3: instances, Dale, uh, that mm-hmm. I I am aware of. Uh, so <laughs> one of them is with uh, uh, Nick sotor He's uh, he's an alternative media outlet on um, on uh, on twitter and i believe what uh, what he did was for some reason whether uh the story doesn't say if nick is actually a victim or an accomplice but he reached out to someone else that i know personally and asked them to finance their trip to israel to cover the news there um and he said the trip will cost uh, I don't remember like $20,000 or something but he asked for 5,000 from that individual and that individual didn't pay because he thought it was really weird and he also didn't know why was you know like why was he chosen to uh to be asked for for for, for the money to finance mm-hmm. next trip to Israel that is one instance the other one was uh, I believe it was a uh, someone who is a uh, considered by uh, some people to be a leader in the black community, and he was responsible for handling uh, finances for uh, BLM movement uh, in one of their charities, and there was allegations of misappropriation of funds. Uh, ben offered to, or Darko offered to uh, finance his uh, lawyers. He told them to hire you know the best lawyers he can, and he will foot the bill. So that individual hired a lawyer and paid a hundred thousand in, dollars in fees and then uh he contacted darko to to actually come through with, with with the payment and then darko kept giving him the runaround. and then he later said i can't send you the money directly it would be illegal for this this and that reason uh you'll have to give me someone else i will send it to them and then he did provide someone else but then uh he actually didn't and he didn't send the money, of course, but what he did was whatever the uh, agreement that that individual from, uh, that was accused uh, uh, with, uh, with misappropriating funds had with Darko could implicate that person himself. So, for example, he could come up and say, you know, you agreed to take $100,000 from me in such and such manner, which is illegal, and he would use that as leverage later. So that's also a tactic that he would use. He would call you and, and talk to you about, you know, anything, right? Like, for example, he talked up, uh, with uh, one of his old friends, you know, a lawyer in Canada. I'm not going to mention his name, but he was like, you know, I have diamonds in Jerusalem. You know, my family's in the diamond business. I have, you know, half a million dollars worth of diamonds with no paperwork. Do you want it? And then they would talk about it, right? And then he would get that clip, and then later use it and be like, oh, you know, you remember? You actually, we were talking about diamonds, and the, you know, in this instance, the lawyer denies that he agreed to uh, participate in this. But he would talk about random stuff that is actually isn't real. But the whole point of it is to use it later against you as uh, leverage and blackmail. Um, even without asking, he would just know simply that, oh my God, I discussed this with this guy, so I better not come after him. And that's how he got. Away with it for so long.
0: Really quick, Dale. I know you have to go shortly, but for the audience, can you provide any information for yourself in regards to contacting if someone wants to reach out to you if they hear this and they have information? Of
2: course, yeah. Uh, you can email me dcaruthers at postmedia.com. That's d c a r r u t h e r s at postmedia.com. Um, that's my email. So that's probably the best way to reach me. Um, okay they're great uh, like i said i'm looking for anyone who has interacted with him especially people who have interacted with him um prior to the last two years um yeah there's, i'm sure there's there to be countless people out there uh i can keep your name out of the story if that's what you want i know a lot of people don't want to be connected to him in any way shape or form so we can leave your name out and figure something out contact me though
0: and really quick what is your twitter handle as well
2: um it's dale at lf press That's us all see i can reach me on twitter
0: all right sounds good dale thank you again for your time if you ever want to be back on a show with updates you're more than welcome here at Reckham radio i appreciate everything you're doing
2: all right guys uh thanks for having me on and uh i'm just gonna close with uh just saying this i usually this is a spiel i usually give but um I think this whole story, um, I worked with Liberty Sean to kind of try and get it out there. It shows the importance of legacy media. Um, People were able to find out about who Darko was through the work that myself and my colleagues did as well as the Windsor Star who had been doing the earliest reporting through the court system, did some really good work. So it created this um, paper trail, a digital paper trail in some cases of these online stories where people are able to piece them together. And I remember when um, I did the story about Darko going to jail for the minor offenses, it was really hard to get a photo of him. Uh, We didn't have one. And we worked really, really hard to finally get one. And it's uh, kind of funny because ultimately it was that photo that someone did a reverse image search with their photo of BZ and it pulled up that photo and that led them to my article and to reach out to me. And that's how the confirmation kind of got rolling. Um, So, yeah, so... If you can, support your local media. I'm only able to do this because um, I have a full-time job, a salaried media job, where I can spend a whole week looking into Darko and going down all these crazy avenues and routes. Um, I couldn't do that if I was a freelance journalist or kind of just doing it on the side. Um, Anytime we publish anything on Darko, we have our in-house lawyer go over it um, with a fine-tooth comb just to ensure We are in a safe legal position. So we're always confident by the time the story is published, uh, someone can threaten to sue us. By the end of the day, we're covered legally. Um, So these are things that take a lot of money to do, a lot of money to produce this kind of journalism. So support your local journalists, your national journalists, international journalists. Go out there and support journalism.
0: All right. Thank you very much for your time, Dale.
2: Thanks, guys. Take care. Have
0: a All right. Um, Hazy, would you like to ask Pickle or us anything?
1: With the heights this particular individual rose to and being in some of the most influential spaces of the last year, do you think it's inevitable that he'll resurface with that set of skills that he has? So as far as um, what he knows,
3: right, and uh, of, you know, influential people and, and all the info that he has, I have no doubt that he has... Um, stuff of value uh, now nothing came out yet um, that being said if he wants to if he wants to um, let's i mean i don't think his story is over uh, because the information he has will probably be less relevant with time so he's using it one way or the other now he might be using uh, whatever he has to buy quiet um, or he might be coming out with a storm at some point uh, i really don't know that being said um the the part that i do know is that um i, I wrote a story about uh, uh mario and um the story is is if mario is getting extorted by bz uh mario did contact me back uh about the article. Um, he, um, he, he offered a few corrections saying that, you know, his, his company's audited and, and there's no laundry money or, or any, any, anything of that sort. However, he have not denied, um, that, uh, he was extorted. He neither confirmed nor denied. Um, you know, so I don't know, uh, maybe that is something that, uh, you will be hearing about soon. Um as far as uh, his his relationship to the trump campaign he allegedly said that he was a subcontractor to a subcontractor that was providing legal advice to trump's legal team and uh, he did provide on multiple occasions information that uh was later found out to be true that wasn't public uh, whether whether he was just being smart and expecting things to happen that did happen or had foreknowledge um in most cases you can you can make either argument but there are at least two cases where for sure he knew something that others didn't uh he also kept fluctuating between uh being pro trump and against trump and in many cases uh, you would never know what he actually stands for because he's all over the place all the time uh he's a chameleon he you know whatever you like he likes right uh but a, when uh, if you remember I don't remember the days, uh precisely but there was a time where the tape of uh Trump speaking about um um uh, his uh, uh, you know nuclear secrets or or so forth at this particular time he uh, said he uh, he left it, you know uh his capacity as a legal advisor for Trump legal team and he said that the case against Trump was extremely strong because There was like no benefit of the doubt since, uh, according to him, he admitted to committing the crime, uh, according to Ben's analysis. Um, And another thing that, you know, uh, I know many people who are probably listening are not familiar, but uh, Ben was uh, speaking to actual real lawyers all the time on Twitter, and none of them uh, questioned him. In fact, some of them would ask him for advice Um, and, and, you know. He was on Mario Spaces with tens of thousands of people sometimes. You know, I believe they had at some point 30,000 people and, uh, or maybe more in, in Elon Spaces with 100,000 at that single time. But anyway, nobody, literally, zero, no lawyer questioned his credentials as, uh, as at least his knowledge of the law. That tells you how good he was. Um, and I know that we all know that, but probably people listening aren't aware.
0: Another thing I'd like to add on, too, is that anytime someone had suspections of him or Ronner's on his tail, he was very persuasive in manipulation and putting almost a groupthink against people. And for Darko, going forward, what I could speak on is just things from my personal experience. I've known Mr. Pickle, Sean, and a lot of those groups for a long time now before he showed up. And once he called me once he figured out at the time I was in the service. He started bringing up very uncomfortable topics, thinking he could relate to me, because he would tell me, oh, no way, I'm idf too." And I recall very vividly him saying to me how him and the boys would laugh at, you know, shooting children across the border, thinking it was like a funny game, basically. And when he said that, I told him, like, don't talk to me, it's disgusting. Once he realized, he kind of, like, crossed the boundary of me. And he just went full force within our small group of like people and would lie to others about me saying like, oh, everyone, Sola secretly a fascist. He's an anti-Semite. He's taking advantage of you. When in reality, it was the other way around. And I'm sure Mr. Pickle could speak on this for when myself and Mr. Pickle, we had a debate. I forgot the topic of so long ago, but he privately reached out to both of us and lied to both of us where he reached out to me and said, good job, Sola you really crushed Mr. Pickle or, you know, that's his account named Mr. Pickle. He's like, he didn't know what he was talking about at all. And then Omar or Mr. Pickle reached out to me and said like, hey, Ben said the same thing to me. He's like, good job, Mr. Pickle. You really crushed him. He didn't know what he was talking about. So he's definitely very trained in manipulation, gaslighting and turning communities on people who suspect if you don't buy into the shtick or you see it early.
3: That's that's true. Also I want to add that he used to uh he used to be what you would consider a good friend to many including helping um you know helping out in in many ways if you need something he would help you. Um and he 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 was at least appeared to be genuine in some of his friendships. Um and it remains an open question of whether he considered it a true friendship or he was just playing a long game where He was, you know, uh, pro, quit, uh, uh, pro. But um, to your your point, Sola, he would go uh, and, 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 um, um, for example, say uh, um, uh, that, you know, Sola said such and such behind your back, right? And then he would try to, um, you know, he would try to get people to speak bad about Sola behind his back. And then he would go and say, this person told you that. And this typical drama that you would, uh, you know, you would expect. Uh, so he was involved in a lot of the inner, um, you know, the silly fighting in between groups in general, um, and particularly, I believe he was in the uh, Ukraine, um, the Ukraine uh, 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 space. So uh, he's one of his first messages to multiple people I know was. You know, I know some information about this charity uh, if you need it. And that was like, even there was no high, you know, it was like, I know you're interested in this. So he would talk to you and, and you would be like, oh, you know, what do you know? Right. And uh, then he would get more info and then use it from the other side. So, for example, we later knew that uh, he was leaking DMs from uh, pro Israeli groups to. Pro-Palestinian groups and the other way around, um, and pretending to be, uh, you know, to be their enemies on, on, um, you know, on um, on stage, and then be, um, you know, calling them after and as if nothing happened, as if they're friends. Uh, of course, they all knew later that he was doing that to everyone, um, and uh, that that came out. It subtly. was
0: unfortunate because it was a divide and conquer strategy, and when his whole scam fell apart people were realizing and i want to sean's not able to make it today but he did ended up reaching out to me and says like hey before you know he went public of it he just told me like look you know ben is or darkos x y and z and i straight up told him i'm like yes i've known this the whole time i've been telling all of you guys but you didn't listen to me you chose him over me and you threw me out of the group basically and just like i was black sheeped with I'm not trying to make it about me but a lot of people were and that's the point I was getting at where I'm saying for people online be very careful who you trust immediately if you ever have any issues with anyone reach them directly talk to them one on one don't listen to third parties what they have to say about you because I feel like that was a mistake all of us myself included fell for
3: so for that point uh, on, on that expanding heavily on that uh we had a common friend and um he was uh, looking for you know a girlfriend and, and then um speaking of you need to know who you're talking to uh it appeared that ben um or uh, darko sent that friend um a or created a profile of a fake a very good looking uh young lady and um said that you know she's his neighbor from israel and they grew up together and you know that um You want to be his friend, blah, blah, blah. And then um, it turned out uh, every time they say, okay, let's meet, you know, they were supposedly in the same town. She was always, there was always an issue. There was always, you know, look, no, I'm busy. You know, I have an emergency. Like, you know, she works for the doctor, so I'm busy with patients, blah, blah, blah. And then at some point, he even baked her a cake uh, only to uh, realize that nobody came. And uh, it turned out that Ben was playing with him all the time, and this it wasn't a real girl. It was it was Ben playing with him, uh, and that was one of the saddest, uh, you know, stories of uh, how his manipulation, how far
1: his manipulation went. Suddenly, um, psychotic. Uh, yeah, suddenly psychotic behavior, especially when it comes from someone who gets in good with people in such an intimate fashion that you wouldn't suspect that this person would be lying to you. What I noticed from many of the interactions I'm hearing about is that he attaches himself to people in ways where he believes he can find out what interests they're truly passionate about, and thus people divulge information so willingly they don't get any second thought about it due to this mutual um, love or passion about whatever topic they might be discussing and this reminds me similarly to the Andrew Tate strategy of like a of being a woman where in these Andrew Tate situations he would pretend to be a woman get money from these people manipulate them with the withdrawal of this attention in this particular case it's more insidious due to parading this narrative of knowing them ever since they were children. And obviously that would cause a great concern and great love for that individual. To that degree, that is psychotic, to be extremely vindictive over trivial interactions.
3: That's right. And uh, um, uh, if you want me to go through how we first
0: met him, Sola, I'm uh, I'm okay with doing that now that then. So before we go deeper into the whole Ben Darko situation of us... There are some sources that we've received that prefer to remain anonymous for their safety that says that Mario hired Ben as not only a lawyer, but he paid him as a co-host and he paid him significantly well in crypto. I find it strange that one of the biggest guys on the platform was able to not get this vented and was able to pay him on that. Is there anything on those claims that I've missed at all, Omar?
3: Yes. So I will add that uh, um, when Mario contacted me after, you know, one of the subsects I had, uh, he said that, um, or um, I'm, I'm not sure who was, but they were his ID. Um, so Mario was asking for uh, BZ I- BZ's ID and he was delaying it uh, over and over. Um, so according to them, actually, according to someone who's related to Mario, um, they tried to vet him, but BZ kept delaying that. Um, and his talent was so good that, uh, like for two years, nobody did a reverse image on him. And that tells you how, how good he was at, you know, whatever he was doing. So they tried to vet him. Uh, but, uh, Allegedly, they uh, didn't get his ID, or maybe got a fake one. But uh, as far as I know, they tried to let him, uh, but he didn't provide ID, uh, and he kept delaying and delaying and saying, you know, next week, next week, whatever, until this happened. Yeah. In fact, if you oh, want okay. me to tell you, I, I'm familiar with how his picture went in online. So he was in this group chat um, with us, and he uh, had a, a a black and white picture of him and he asked um me personally if i could um and multiple other people in the group if we could alter it to hide uh, you know his identities, just like to make sure that he nobody can like find him it's it's his picture but at the same time to blur it enough uh not to uh disclose who he is um i didn't do it somebody else did but uh i think uh, he just Used the faded uh, version of it that you know any professional could have just enhanced it and um, and uh, reversed images you know reversed it and found who he was uh, from uh, Dan's article back in the day. Uh, So it was quite it was it was strange when he when he did that because at some point he had his actual picture like he had his normal picture for maybe a year right Um, am I right so.
0: Yes, that's correct. He had his original picture for a year, and then he switched it to, I believe, a dog. And then eventually it was just the letters BZ. But I still find this interesting how one of the biggest players on the platform of Twitter somehow had all of this slip through his hands where he wasn't able to catch any of this or even consider it. And it's no harm on Mario, but it's disturbing to think that someone of that high of quote-unquote status online was able to be duped and fooled that easy. And it just shows for the audience as well, be careful because that could happen to anyone, regardless of who you are. And unfortunately, it's happened to myself. It happened to Pickle or Omar. It's happened to a lot of our friends that I'm not going to name their names. It's an unfortunate scenario, and I hope that in the future, there could be some charges put on him to bring him to justice for all the harm he's caused.
3: And and just to be clear, he has never done anything, uh, or he de- didn't do like we had fights uh, before, but he never harmed me um, in any way. Uh, however, I know people who did who he did harm, uh, and when this was happening, um, I was torn between okay, so this guy had a dark past. He he's struggling with addiction of crystal meth and um, and fentanyl and. And you know everybody has their own faults, so maybe we can cut him some slack. But then I heard a few stories which changed my mind. It's like, okay, maybe he wasn't bad to me, but doesn't mean that he did hurt other people. Um, you know, I personally know if, a few of those stories, and I don't know if you saw. want to expand on uh, if you know any of those. But uh, when I heard those, and I'm like, okay, actually uh no, there's no benefit of the doubt here uh maybe he was good to me, but that doesn't mean that he was a good person, or you know that uh there was no uh there was no uh uh selfish reason behind everything he did
0: yeah, and in regards to Darko for me personally, something that happened was that when i'm sorry, I didn't mention this earlier, but before the whole military fiasco where he tried sharing his war stories of me that never existed he first saw that i had an interest in law and then he offered me randomly i'll pay full scholarship for your law you could come to this really prestigious university in israel and all of it just seemed fishy and i've always been raised it was too good to be true you know don't accept it which i did not accept it thankfully but he's very persistent and unfortunately though For myself, personally, after the whole fiasco went down where my entire original friend group threw me out, I still was persistent. I still wasn't backing down because I'm saying, hey, I'll still continue saying you're a bad person if you're brought up in conversation or asked about because you are you're a liar and a bad person. And me as a person, I have never been one to be phased by what someone says online about me. But one of my weak points are if you go for someone I care about and Unfortunately, Ben or Darko figured out where my girlfriend at the time was living, and called me on a burner number and told me, like, "Hey, you better watch what you say, or else, you know, someone's gonna get paid a visit." And he made it insinuating enough to, for me to pick up the point. And at that time, I was between a rock and a hard place. Where do I say, okay? Do I continue to say what I'm doing, you know, and potentially get her hurt because I don't fully know 100% if he bluffs at this time for this? Or do I just stop talking about for for her protection? And unfortunately, later on, I got messages from a lot of right-wing people, a lot right-wing count, and the damage is already done where he basically contacted a lot of people in those circles and spears, and I was also black sheep from them as well. And for me, like I said, it took a while me to like rebuild my account, rebuild my social standing of people, but I still did it. And it feels almost like poetic justice at this point, watching the entire empire he's built crumble before him. And I try to stay professional as I can, but I'm not going to lie, I do have a personal vendetta in this, and that's why I've been honed in on this whole situation that's going on. Because to me, this isn't just another podcast episode, this is personal. And that's why
1: Again, I want him to face full justice. I genuinely think for you as well, it's almost feeling as though you're living in an alternative reality. Knowing somebody, at least in terms of intuition, there's something wrong or dubious about their behavior and character, then proceed to be ostracized, threatened on the low. And even with somebody with a certain level of separation with everything that was going on, the hesitancy for this person who was threatened to even want to involve themselves publicly in any capacity definitely showed how severe his behavior and contact was in terms of threatening you, in terms of threatening people you were with at the time. And I knew that to be the case. Yeah, he was manipulated enough to...
0: Okay, yeah, impressive. he was manipulative enough. And I'm sorry, Hazy. I'll let you finish real quick. But he was manipulative enough too. Like I said earlier, to know he could drag me through the mud as much as he want. I'm not going to be phased. I don't care of words of people I have never met. But he knew, as a scummy human he was, that he's going to attack someone vulnerable to me. Let alone he's going to attack a woman instead of like taking it man to man. And that to me, that's purely why I find him as be nothing but evil and disgusting. But continue, Hazy. Sorry about that.
1: Exactly. And- Working on episodes and knowing that she wanted no involvement, she wanted her name to have little association as possible, definitely showed the level of validity the threats of violence were to her. And knowing all of this, with his status, with his platform, and how much influence he had, one can at the very least be cautious about the validity of these claims and these threats that are being made by them. One could ask themselves, well, could he do this? So now with him getting outed, all this information and his connections to the actions he's done and irreparable damage he's done to many within this environment, it's nice to be vindicated. If anything else from all this.
0: No, and that was the first thing I did when um, Sean made that post saying, he was saying, like, with a heavy heart, it's sad to inform you. And then later, they're having a space where they're all crying, they're all sad, saying like he was the best friend. It wasn't my proudest moments, but I was taking a victory lap where I straight up told them, I'm like, hey, while all of you guys were eating out the palm of his hand, I was right the entire time and none of you believed me. From the beginning, I was right and no one listened. So I'm sorry if I'm not going to share sympathies in you or be a shoulder to cry on when you were the same people who chose him over me and threw me under the bus. Like, why should I have any sympathy for your emotions to a psychopath, basically? That's how I felt for a lot of this situation. But like I said, I've wasn't my proudest moment, and I'm trying to move past that. And I'm hoping after this podcast episode, maybe if Sean himself would like to be on one if he's listening, that could be the nail in the coffin and the end of it all. And that's my main goal right now. But, um, Omar, do you want to comment on anything as well?
3: Yeah, so if you uh, I know that uh, this will be edited um, and uh, so I believe if you want me to go through the timeline um, in you know in detail from the beginning, um, I can do that.
0: Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Um, okay. Noah, make sure you edit that like time segment now, all right. five, sure. four, three, two. But going on to that, Omar, you have been involved in the beginning as well. Could you provide us with more of an in detail timeline of like the whole events that took place for the audience?
3: Yeah, so um, I can I can tell or I can speak of uh, how uh, Darko started or came into Twitter uh, because I was there. I believe it was July 2022. Uh, it was a few months into the war in Ukraine, uh, and uh, he came into. Um, uh my spaces, me and a friend um uh and, you know and Sean as well. Sean had his own spaces and and he would uh frequent both of uh, our spaces um for hours a day sometimes you know eight hours a day. Um and uh what, what struck us uh about his entry that uh he liked you know a few a few things we observed that he liked to hear himself talk a lot. Um he likes to control the conversation uh he also was obsessed with talking about is internal israeli politics uh when it wasn't something that was um uh, hot at that time it, there was no hot war at that moment and it 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 sounded or it looked very unnatural that whatever we were discussing we end up um if Ben is in a space, we end up talking about Israel in about ten minutes. It, it was a joke between me and you know, and I don't know if it's okay to mention my friend's name. Uh, I, I will leave it out since I didn't ask him. But um, it was a joke that you know, like okay, in nine minutes we will be talking about the Likud party, or you know, or 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 uh, you know, Javier or you know, and he had this very uh, uh, he had this obsession with uh, with this term go to Syria, which is you know. One of Benjavier's um you know one liners that he likes to use, um, he was obsessed with this word uh, to a, an extent that is very hard to think of as as normal anyway uh he starts forming friendships with with us um and with people he meets um, with time uh, he was um gravitating towards uh, either pro-Ukraine spaces or spaces about the Ukrainian war in general. Or uh spaces discussing Trump's uh indictments and various legal troubles, uh which we all know there is no shortage of. Um and I believe that might have been how he uh he met Sean, but Sean could speak to how he met him. And and in general, um people started to listen to him when it came to when it came to his uh knowledge of the law, of the US law because he was claiming to be a uh, federal prosecutor in uh, uh SDNY Southern District of New York um not as a lawyer as a prosecutor and he um uh, claimed to have prosecuted you know you know certain cases and he would talk about those cases in length turned out that he was just copying you know somebody else uh whatever they were saying and and claiming that he was him um and I, I will later mention how that uh, transpired in the recent war. But anyway, um, his spaces started to grow and he has started to hold spaces of his own. Uh, people started to join. They liked the way he was talking. He was charming. He was smart. He spoke Slovenian. He spoke Hebrew. He spoke Hebrew very proficiently. Uh, according to many people now, not on a native level, but on a level that, you know, you couldn't if somebody told you this guy grew up in Israel um you know there will be 50% of people tell you yes 50% of people tell you no uh, that's how good it was uh he spoke conversational uh you know uh, uh Serbian uh, I think he spoke native Serbian he spoke Slovenian he spoke Russian he spoke a uh, little bit he knew russian songs and folklore and uh stuff that uh only someone who grew up, you know, in a in the Soviet country would know. Uh, I still don't know how he does. He he does. Um, he knew very well the Serbian, uh, the Serbian-Bosnian civil war. Uh, he knew details that people from there would tell you that only someone who grew up here would know this. Uh, whether that's true or not, you know, at this point, uh, you know, according to what Dan said, that he was a teenager in Canada. Uh, i don't know if he moved from you know serbia to canada at that time but according to people from serbia um he knew stuff that only someone who grew up there would know um and uh for people who also don't know darko is a serbian uh, bosnian name uh and uh in any case so he kept building up relationships uh it was one of mario's faces about trump i don't remember what which indictment was it um or it it was something related to i think it was a blm case and mario uh got contacted by someone else telling him you know there's this guy ben requesting the mic and he's a lawyer i vouch for him he's really good right um so he spoke and he mesmerized everyone uh, and um uh, whatever advice he gave turned out to actually be true later. And from that point on, uh, he was on every single Mario space related to either Trump or a legal manner. Uh, He was the co-host on a lot of the pro-Israel spaces, um, whether inside of Mario, uh, whether with Mario or without Mario. So Mario holds a space that is not necessarily pro-anything, it's just uh, discussing the situation. But he had his own Pro Israel uh, spaces by himself, including um, a few times where he was a speaker in the IDF's own um, uh, space. I believe every single one of them. Uh, and they said they knew him. He said they know them. Turned out later that um, uh, it was all a lie. And that tells you how good he was. Um, in any case, uh, throughout all of this, uh, he was collecting information from all parties and giving what he needed to do or doing whatever he needed to do to um, to collect, you know, compromise and, and compromising information on on people uh, and gossiping in general and, and back channels and so on. And uh, then uh, when his picture came out, uh, you know, when he had his actual picture on the Mario face uh Somebody somehow reversed his image, and um then there was chatter in general uh, if okay, is this the dark who we know that later uh, you know as Dan will say um or will elaborate on uh was um convicted with with multiple fraud uh crimes you know throughout his career as a fraudster. Uh, i believe uh, I'm not sure uh, you know. If anybody knows if he ever had a job uh, no, nobody could trace any job that Ben ever had in his life uh, so far
0: yeah and something I found really weird as how he'd always tried to flaunt or boast of power, people in positions of authority, now we know he doesn't but I always found that was a weird thing where it's like no one really asked and he's bringing it up and I remember one of the weirdest things too. He'd always talk about he was a multimillionaire, and I always wondered the question: What multimillionaire spends eight to ten hours a day on Twitter Spaces with random people? And there are signs like that I saw that I was very hesitant on. But well, he actually said he has
3: he's worth thirty three million dollars, and I was wondering that is a really weird thing to do if you're a lawyer to go online and say how much you how much you have or. So uh, we called him slop, sloppy, sloppy Ben at some point because he was making mistakes. Uh, for example, he claimed to be a trained Mossad agent uh, that assassinated Hamas leaders, right? And uh, had clandestine operations in Ukraine and, and Russia because he speaks the language. And according to him, he's really pretty. And he looks, you know, uh, again, his words, not mine. Uh, he's like, I look uh, Eastern European. You know, and uh um, and uh so I could slip inside and make clandestine operations and
0: And that's something you notice among psychopaths in general, especially serial killers, where if they don't get caught after a while, they'll continue to embellish and embolden the lie more and more and more. Almost like how I said at the beginning of the podcast, Icarus flying too close to the sun where it's like he wanted to get caught eventually. Like he wanted like the gig to be up, but I don't think he expected so many people to catch on him so soon and talk about it and expose him on this. But
1: lying to some degree is similar to kleptomaniacs, in which it isn't enough to simply steal something; one must escalate and higher the likelihood of danger or obstacles in a way of the value of what they're doing. Comparatively, with being a compulsive liar. The narratives become more intricate, more elaborate, and it can be advantageous for one to find more complexities within them. And that addiction, in and of itself, of amassing an audience through this fabrication, is what was occurring to me, at least, somebody look from the outside looking in. That that desire to continuously weave more stories and to have the masses all over your over you because similarly when it comes to lying there is there's an endorphin rush there is a enjoyment to some degree that you did something that you know you shouldn't have done but you got away with it and you want to ride a line more thinly it's not just getting away with something that is easy to lie about it's more about how high can I take this before someone starts to question what's behind the mirror
3: right if if you think of of Ben i or or Darko or or Aaron uh, b.z uh, whatever his real name is, uh he's an artist, uh, you know that's why they call it a con artist um, so Ben doesn't Ben um, uh, doesn't look for the easiest con and you know go for it, right. He looks for the hardest, most artistic you know keem um, or 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 lie and i think he finds it um he finds it a way to self validate himself that you know i yes i am not a lawyer but i'm better than lawyers because i can fool lawyers into think i am one and i can actually even be bet, you know uh i can trick the if there's like an ultimate lawyer uh you know compared to me is nothing because i can go you know and 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 have figures of eight around them with my with my knowledge, without even going to a school, so you know, who who, what kind of th- uh, thief thinks of going and stealing money from the police department? You know, it's it's not like your first choice, right? That wouldn't be, <laughs> that would be the, it would be something that you're giving yourself a message, like you know, I am capable of conning the Ontario, or I think yeah, I think it was the Ontario Police uh, Department. I will make them pay for me to steal their data and and perhaps provide it to the mob, which is i believe well uh, uh, and not just that I will get away with it and the person I camped will be on house arrest for four years or three years he's I think he's getting out soon uh so that that is not someone only motivated by money he's uh, he's he's an artist, a con artist. He, he designs the most elaborate cons you can think of, pulls it off, studied the law to know how to break it, and gets away with it continuously. And and I, I believe he had more than you know a hundred charges and get convicted for three and you know spend three months here and there, whatever. But um, it's also a good reason why to you know he's in Canada because Canada has uh, revolving door policy when it comes to. Uh, you know uh criminal activity um also for people who don't know the area he lived at in windsor is in the border of michigan and uh that area has uh, michigan is, is is considered to be uh, the second serbia because it has more serbs than uh, belgrade uh, which is the capital of serbia so uh, he, he lived in that area. It's a very common area to live if you're Serbian and in, uh, specifically if you're in the Serbian mob, uh, which, according to him, is one of the most vicious and, uh, and uh, strong uh, uh, mobs in, uh, in, uh, in Chicago and, and, and that area in Michigan.
0: Well, Hazy, are there any questions you want to ask in regards to Darko or BZ?
1: Not anything in particular comes to mind. However, I want to really seal the deal on what we we were talking about earlier. I think when most people notice something interesting about someone like Dago is, um, comparatively, we can look at stories like The Wolf of Wall Street, a successful business that was built off of lies, scheming, and more lies. Scorsese does a great job of showing how much of an addiction it is to reach newer heights, despite the fraudulent nature these assets are ascertained in. It is not enough for them to just have a comfortable living, to be secure forever. Even the biggest of mob bosses don't just simply stop at being able to give generational wealth. It's doing it for as long as they can do it. Most of these people are trying to do it for as long as they can to see if there's a potential of getting caught. Is, that is a facet of how addictive it is to do it. So I thought that was worth um, mentioning on top of everything you had illustrated.
3: Yeah, it's also a "Catch Me If You Can" story. It's, it's. I, I would say it's pretty really close to, uh, to that, if not even more crazy. Um, well, who knows what he actually did? Like we don't know, right? Like that we know part of it, but uh, the level of, of cons he conjured throughout his life. Given the level of sophistication and talent he has, I, I believe he probably is worthy of um, a similar story. Uh, and the other thing, he's actually still on Twitter uh, uh, by a alt called Mitch. And the funny part is that everybody knows that's BZ, but what are you going to do about it? Such a guy on Twitter using a voice changer, you know, <laughs> and everybody knows BZ. He just says, I'm not BZ and that's all, you know, uh, so... He's still there, um, apparently, and he's still fine and he still talks and, um, and he even participated in the spaces talking about him, which was something out of the matrix. I believe he found a lot of pleasure in doing so. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I might try to find the clip for you, uh um sola but uh, there was there was a clip where he was warning people about uh bz and you would hear him and you know you know how he sounds like right and it's just um it just shows you um uh, he's making fun of the world and enjoying it that's what he would does. you happen
0: yeah. to have any audio that you'd be comfortable sharing at all of bz's voice so people can know in advance oh This is the guy, you know, he was scamming people so they could be wary of him. Uh, Yeah, let me see. Uh,
3: I can get you something right here. So he had this space with Kent. The um, uh, not Kent, I'm sorry. It's uh, what's his name? Scarface, Boneface. It's a, a American criminal who joined the Azov Battalion in Ukraine uh, when it used to have a problem, uh, now the problem is fixed. Now they they removed all the all the criminal, you know, all the shady people from there. Uh, but he was there at that time, and apparently that guy turned out to be uh, a favorite Russian uh, propaganda talking point. Like he's featured in Russia Today all the time, um, and also. Uh, so let me let me show you here. I'll get you the clip, just give me one minute.
0: Sure thing. And one more thing to the audience. This is going to be published on Spotify, but if you enjoy the information you're hearing, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave us a review or you could help circulate our channel by showing our people this video. Because like I said, this is something that is a bit passionate to me, this particular episode. And I'd like the more to hear the better. But you could find myself at Twitter at Solar Requiem. So it's S O L A underscore R E Q U I E N M. So Requiem. And if you have any information, like I said earlier, please reach out to Dale or myself or Hazy Dialects if he would be okay with that.
1: Hazy, would you be okay with that? Yes, if anyone wants to reach people to, um, has, some useful information about the particular topic at hand. I think it's of the utmost important that we seek to boost this as much as we can. Due to the digital age being a bit of a wild west where people can set up shop whenever they want to and find themselves entrenched in different circles, it is important that we find our con artists whatever they might set up shop next to help people be mindful of it. Because someone as skilled as he was in what he did it seems unrealistic that he would merely just give it all up after achieving such heights
3: right uh so i'm ready with the uh, clip if you guys ready
0: okay. okay whenever you're ready go ahead and play it
3: and just uh to reference this is a clip from his uh, space with Boneface. Um, and uh, it was recorded by him. It's a public space. This is not me recording anything. Uh, I'm just uh, um, uh, playing it for the audience to uh, know who he is and how he sounds like. Correct. Was- this is
0: all, Yeah, this is all public information right here. This wasn't received by any ulterior malicious motive. God, thanks
4: i can't beat that but if i took my shirt off i'm completely covered which is weird because us folk usually don't get tattoos but yeah I, you i'm guys not a religious and, guy at all i must say you guys can't get buried in jewish cemetery if you guys get that, that that's a myth oh that's a myth that's a myth you know, that most young israelis have but uh, have tattoos and fits so um no uh, like i say when i say that i can understand where you're coming from you know i have worked again for years in the uh, criminal justice system you're not the first person that has big scary tattoos and kind of look scary uh you know that i've encountered and it's funny because normally when i used to do um, federal prosecutions and even at state level charges and so forth uh, i used to go to pretrial conferences and the guy would be there with all these swastika tattoos and nine times out of ten i want to just hang on a second this is a private conversation um i don't like people joining um uh you know, nine times out of ten, the the, the guy with the big scary tick on his neck would kind of whisper over to me on the other side of the, uh, the aisle and say, I'm sorry about my tattoos, man. I, you know, I have a very German Jewish lost name. And uh, he's like, I'm sorry about the tattoos, man. I'm sorry. I don't really believe in this shit. I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. Don't worry. The fact that you said that, don't worry. I'm going to I'll negotiate a better deal for you. Don't worry. Um, so I get it. I, I absolutely get it. You know, I uh, I do. I get it. And uh, um. As for the drugs, you know, uh, yeah, uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I, I'm very open. I, myself, was a very heavy opiate addict for a while. Okay. I was a fentanyl addict. And uh, I got into a car accident. I had surgery on my leg, and I got addicted to painkillers that led to... I went from oxy to hydro, to from hydro to heroin, from heroin to fentanyl. I, I'm many years clean, thank God, but I get it. Addiction happens, so I get it. Um. But no, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of blew me away with the way that you were speaking and blunt, open, and candid. Uh, I appreciate your candor well, in, in the room last night. I think, you know, because I am pro Okay, I don't want to get that, you know, it makes up any kind of quick Apparently, <laughs> Obviously. Right. I mean, you know, you, you, put your money where you put your money where your mouth is, but yeah. it's not like you're an armchair general. Yeah, I can't speak on anybody else's behalf and point out the mistakes that they've made. Well, no, for sure. Listen, I mean, I, I didn't believe it was you. No offense. I mean, you're kind of a, a famous person. That's why I said, we'll post a video saying shalom. And when you did, I don't want to my pants. I'm like, holy shit. Oh, that, that was the first, first time, time I, I must have ever <laughs> had in my life. It's like, wait, because I went to another space and I had to ask everybody They're like four times. Like people don't, don't believe it's me. They're like, no, they don't. Like there's this madness, you know.
0: All right, thank you, Mr. Pickle. Well, when I
4: when I said to you, uh, uh, post a video saying Shalom, you giggled. You're
0: like, what? Yeah, and as you could just see by the way he speaks, it's just lies upon lies upon lies. Him manipulating, him saying things to try to relate to people. All of it's just fabrication upon fabrication. And and this episode, I tried to make it my goal to see how deep can we go with all of this. And I want to see underneath all the lies, where is Darko? And unfortunately, so, uh, I don't think that's going to be something we're going to know anytime soon. But we do know one thing, that he is a calm man, a liar, and, excuse my language, a piece of shit human.
3: So uh, not to um, uh, Jack. so he, speaking of lies, there is more, um, and uh, this is one of them. We the pro-Ukraine which is
4: fine. Sure. My wife is, uh, uh, you know, uh, she came to Israel in uh, 91 when she was young from Kharkiv. Uh, so she's Ukrainian and um, Jewish. And so this is one of my basic questions. So the position of the government of Israel as to why they won't arm Ukraine, there's a couple of reasons. One, obviously we have a good relationship with Putin. Right. Two,
3: so there is no wife um, since, you know, as um, Ben said, uh, as we later know Ben is actually gay. Uh so there is no wife, there is no Ukraine, there is no Kharkiv. Uh he also claimed to have a ref- Ukrainian refugee in his house. Um that turned out to be also a lie. Um and um I think he might have even claimed to have a Syrian refugee at some point. Um and uh then he ended up like um the next part of the clip he was talking as if he's some official, you know, he has some connections in Israel, which later we found out not to be true. Uh, Although he might have faked it till he made it at some point. Uh, But just shows you, like, everything was fake, you know. There was no wife, there was no, there was no uh, uh, job, there was no SDNY. He built an entire life of lies. um, And it's not something that is easy. It's it's like his talent is very unique.
4: Um,
0: there is...
1: got to be careful about people like that, especially on social media. You can see how he can be so manipulative due to his ability to carry himself in a room, taking opposing sides drastically, um, having levels of animosity amongst themselves, opposing beliefs, and yet speak in a way where he comes across as highly empathic, and um showing a mutual care for people. And I think that's something um often discussed as having been divorced a political discourse. And I think that's something that is very, very insidious about his nature. That there's this highly expressive level of empathy and understanding that comes from his decorum, how he speaks, his mannerisms, how he talks about Nazis and tattoos and belief systems, and how he immediately describes himself as being very understanding and not wanting to jump to conclusions and how he uses that to exploit people, to gain their trust.
3: So there is more lies, um, including he's lying also about his age, uh, as you will see here and his military service.
4: 46. So okay. you're going back and you're going back in time quite a ways when, you know, cybersecurity wasn't really a thing. Right. No. Uh, people, up, up front, people didn't put IP addresses on the refrigerators yet. No, no, and uh, you've been you've been up front with me. So uh, no, I was in uh, um, uh, again, combat infantry, but I speak a lot of languages and I sent you a picture. I look pretty European. I don't look like the typical Jew. I look Czech or something, I'm told. Yeah, okay. I and got so been. I was yeah. Yeah, I'm able. I was able to enter into Eastern European countries because I speak the language, uh, on uh, on a different passport and not around arou- you know arousal, uh, no suspicion of being an Israeli or being this or being that. So uh, it was interesting, um, but no. Um, so, so what's your take on this conflict? Well, it's like this. Being on both sides of the fence on this, I noticed that a lot of this had to do with, uh, you know what I mean, the EU and NATO kind of meddling in Ukrainian affairs, and it's like trying to differentiate, uh, differentiate between you know, the people of Ukraine
3: In any case, so uh, in other parts of the clip, not to bore you, he he claims to have been seven years in the army, and uh, he was first in, uh, you know, military intelligence, and then clandestine operations, and uh, you know, a whole facade of lies that is um, that was so elaborate you know little people or you know everybody if you ask everyone now they're like yeah I always suspected him you know but nobody actually did it's just hindsight so uh, you know as I think you know as, as, um, as a closing statement if, if, if we're closing um, never trust anyone online with anything that you will not be comfortable with um, uh, being known anyway Uh, you know, be yourself, and if that's not going to work, then, you know, it is a very hostile environment uh, where people are trying to, um, you know, manipulate others and scam them and blackmail them. And, you know, it's just, uh, just be very careful and um, don't say anything that you um, think will uh, be misconstrued uh because everything is being um recorded by uh you know the algorithm and Twitter and and multiple bad actors and you you know you just be in general careful with what you say and what you what you do uh because not everyone is uh is there for uh, just having a good time or making friends some people are some people are there to hurt others and you know Darko was one of them And the problem of those people is that they are really good at what they do. So they will be the last ones you suspect. So just be careful in general. That's all.
0: Thank you, Omar. And before we close up, do you have any reliable people on social media that you say you can trust with information in regards to the whole Ben Darko situation? Because, like we said earlier, there's a lot of people talking and having speculation but there's also people like Dale or like Sean or like yourself who actually has information. Do you know uh, any other accounts to trust? There is an inherent
3: problem here because his accomplices are shady people. So for example, if you go and talk to, um, you know, I'm not going to mention his name, but he was um, later just disbarred this and so on. And people are like, why are you platforming a X and X? Right. And I'm like, well, those are the people who surrounded, <laughs> who surrounded Darko. So there are many conflicts of interest, and there many of them who are being blackmailed. Many of them don't want to come forward. Um, so that's part of probably what Dale is dealing with, that it's really hard to get someone to be on record saying what actually he did, uh, because Ben simply knew what he was doing. Uh, you, you know the, the the circle of friends that uh, you might be able to trust with, with information, but I, I think you know them already um other than that you might want to reach out to Nick Sotor and um, cuz he knows you know he had some deal with him in some sense that uh, is still not um clear what is about really um uh, along with a lot of the um uh, uh the people who were in general covering the Trump uh, indictment uh, you know the i think you can talk to uh, what's his name Professor, um, I think his he's, he's handle is Simply Professor. Uh, it's a very big account. Anyway, so yeah, look, um, he knew everyone on Twitter that is worthy of knowing. Uh, he was not just going randomly uh, speaking to people unless he was really bored. So everybody will tell you something, but nobody will go on record and, and say it, unfortunately. So, you know, he knew what he's doing. And you know, that's all. So, so uh, that being said, I think he flew close to the sun he might have known this will be his end, then he accepted it, and he might have been right about it because you can say it was worth it. He, he did make it to the top until, you know, he dropped. So, um, right. And he might get away with it. It's, it's a chance. There is a chance that everything that he did means nothing. That's, that's possible.
0: All right. Thank you, Omar. And Hazy,
1: do you have any closing comments you want to share your thoughts at all? I would say the following to everyone online. Most people aren't investigated journalists. Most people aren't people with the most highest levels of skepticism. However, I would ask of you to look at the constant inundation of information that happens on the internet every day and know that your ability to vet this information comes down to who you can trust. And if you hold a higher bar for that, then there's a higher level of ease in which that information becomes digestible. Be mindful and highly critical of those individuals because the latter is insanely impractical. So you must ensure that the um, former is highly highly optimal for you in this digital age. And um, take care for everyone who's watching this episode and be mindful of those who you share your secrets with online. And for my
0: closing comments, I'll just repeat one last time. If you have any information, feel free to reach out to myself, to Hazy, to Omar or Mr. Pickle on Twitter or Dale or any of our people that, you know, are accountable and trustworthy. But for the audience listening, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Rec Room Radio. And I'd like to close with one final message in case Ben or Darko is listening saying this, whatever his name is. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for He sees that their day is coming. Psalms thirty-seven thirteen. Wherever you are, Darko, don't think you got away from this. People are gonna remember, and justice is gonna be served. That'd be all for me. You've heard it all. See you next time.
3: Before you go, I just wanted to have another message to Darko, if he's listening. Uh, I want to thank him for the times he was being good to to me i would just not forgive him for one thing which is that i will never know who is a true friend now thanks to him
0: all right thank you all right az go ahead and cut the recording
3: az
4: can you cut the recording